What's up, everybody? This is Sean Mangoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. My prayer is that you encounter God as a result of listening to this sermon today. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Are you ready to get into the Word today? Uh, We're doing uh, what we call just a one-off sermon today that's not within uh, a set um, series, um, but it kind of bridges what we're going to talk about, uh, what we talked about this month, as far as are you ready in our sermon series for uh, this next month. And so it's kind of like a handoff into the new series. But the title of this um, message today is called Working On It. And so just wanted to share some things in our readiness before God, in our surrender and sensitivity to God, the Holy Spirit. Um, There are some things, these four things I want to share with you that every Christian um, is called to uh, develop and nurture and give attention to um, for their own spiritual growth and, um, and just to, you know, bring us into what God has called us to do. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me pray. And um, before I pray here, just as a reminder, um, you can get the sermon notes, okay, on the Version Bible app, and uh, you can just text sermon to our number, um, 323-405-3232, or you can um, just, if you're watching this, you can scan the QR code, and it'll send you to the Version Bible app, and you can see our current sermon notes, um, that are up for this week. Okay. And just follow along. So, um, here we go. Let's jump into this. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you speak to us. We pray God that we just get something from your word, from your presence today that we can take with us and we can begin to take action and put, um, some action to our faith. And, uh, I pray that we would see the fruit of that. We'd see the fruit of our faith in action. In Jesus' name I pray, everybody said amen. All right, so this is what I talk about. As I said, these are some areas of our life that um, if, okay, that if we give attention to and, and consciously develop, um, they will impact our, our life in a positive way, okay? And so what are some key areas of our life that we wanna work on? Hence the title of this series, not serious, it's, it's just a sermon or it's a me- one message, a one-off as we call it, but it's, it's the, this is what I'm talking about, the four C's, um, the, the letter C, uh, the four C's of life's journey, or you could say the four C's of the Christian life, or the four C's of spiritual development, okay? The four C's of growing in the Lord. Okay, and so I'm gonna say them all quickly and then we'll jump into each one a little bit and just share some verses. I really believe with all my heart that if you give attention to this, take some good notes, listen to this because these four things are always relevant to your journey with God. In some way, I would say that some are more important than others. I did put them in a certain order of importance, but they they apply, they really do. This is Really, and I'm telling you, I was telling somebody this um, just last week, and I might have said this um, 
in the service last week online. Actually, my wife preached. But um, anyway, uh, but that this is what I said, is that spiritual development is personal development. Um, if we can uh, give attention to our spiritual development, our relationship with Jesus, if we are authentically giving ourselves to grow in the Lord and to um, be obedient to God, to walk with him, to know him, to hear his voice, and you know, and, and all of that, all of what comes with that, um, you will develop personally. You will become a, not only just somebody mature in the Lord and spiritually mature, but you will just mature as an individual that you can apply these things to every area of life and you will see the fruit of it. Okay, so here they are real quick. Four C's, it's the letter C. So number one is Christ, all right? Number one is Christ. He is the most important person in our all of life, okay? Christ, say it with me, say Christ. All right, the next one, character. So we're gonna talk about character, okay? Just a little bit about character and how important that is for us as believers. So Christ, character. Okay, next one, competency. And um, it might not be exactly what you think. Um, it's a pretty familiar word to most people, but competency. And, and uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but that's what we're talking about next. So Christ, all right, um, character, competency, and the last one, culture, okay? And that might not be exactly what you think I'm going to talk about either. But here it is. These are all just very relevant to our, our life and journey with God. It is Christ. It is character, all right? It is competency, and, and there is this context of culture, okay? So here we go, Christ. We're going to start with Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 15 to 18. So get your Bibles open, folks. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. And it's speaking of Jesus. This, this, these verses say it all. He, he, speaking of Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. Okay, this pretty much says a lot about Jesus and who he is in his divinity. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Here it is, that in all things, he may have the preeminence or the chief seat, or say it a different way, that he sits on the throne of our heart and our life, okay? So we talk about the three C's of our spiritual development and everything. First is Christ. What do I mean by that? Just that word Christ is that our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in life, okay? It is the most important thing, all right? And, and, you know, um, I know that makes sense to believers, right? We are Christians. We have given our life to Christ. We have confessed Christ. We are in him. He is in us. I mean, there's a lot you can talk about, right, about this. But I want to just kind of share specifically here on your life's journey. You know, we and we also say a lot in this context, which is true, is like, you know, focus on Christ, you know, don't don't um, give in to the temptation of sin, going back into your old life, 
going back into your old way of living, the, 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 the lifestyle of sin you were living. Yeah, you know, you've repented. You know, uh, Paul told the Galatian church, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, meaning don't go back. Don't, don't backslide, right? Pray, yes, amen, praise God. But I want to say it in this way as well to, to, to the believers out there is that sometimes even as Christians, it is possible for us to sometimes there are things in even our church world, in our walk with God that aren't all bad, but if we're not careful, the enemy will use even other things that get in the way of the simplicity of your faith in Christ the simplicity of your walk with God and making sure that that is, that Christ is preeminent and not even these other things. Like for instance, sometimes if we're honest, we as Christians can, can that we can lose our focus off of Christ when we start to focus on just religious activity or our church methods, like the way we do church, how we do church, or you're like, you know, just, you know, you're maybe not doing so good today because the way church has happened is different than maybe how you grew up. And you're like, you're just trying to get back to the way it was. And there might be some things that were great back then, but this is, this, this, this is proven through history with the church and even the people of God that if we're not careful, we'll have this connection, this almost like this soul tie to the past. And we're always just trying to get it to where it was. And man, so-and-so used to preach so powerfully and that person maybe has passed away and they've gone to be with the Lord. And you're like, there's no preachers today like that person. And man, I just miss those days. And it, we gotta be careful that we don't, that we aren't living in an era that has already passed. As good as it was, it is possible that we can get caught up in older church methods older ways of doing things and just man we need to break out of that i'm telling you right now because god is in the present he is here and he is doing something all right uh, another thing we can get caught up in is theological debates about all kind of stuff uh, and the debates i'm not saying there's anything wrong with kind of dialoguing and even like in a healthy way kind of debating the word and kind of sharpening your 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 word knowledge there's nothing wrong with that but when that becomes the main thing and we lose sight of our personal you know, relationship with Christ, man, where we're missing it, we're, 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 we're getting into something that it is not healthy. Another thing, as I said before, is just trying to relive what God has done back in the day. And pastors need to be careful of this as well. As pastors, when we're leading people into, in the Lord, leading them in, in and through our local church communities, is that if we're not careful, we, we do not want to emphasize, okay, the the, our method of church or, 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 or try to endear people to our organizational culture more than the person Christ. Let me say it this way, compared to Christ, everything else and everybody else is overrated. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, here it is, says it all, uh, looking unto Jesus, okay? not looking unto my pastor or looking unto my mentor or looking unto my church or you know what I mean? Looking unto my denomination, 
looking unto how we do church, the way, you know, all these other things that just are are not what we're really to be looking at, okay? So Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, okay? That word looking, it, it's two words, really. If we were to break it down, it's these two Greek words that are put together, and we came up with the, the you know, in a sense, like the English word is looking, but, but these two words, it, it means to look away from so you can see. All right, somebody say amen here. You know where I'm going with this. And so we're looking into Jesus um, when we are, um, uh, you know, pursuing the Lord. You know, it's, it's both those things that, that this looking unto Jesus is, is really, we are looking away from somebody or something else that has captured our gaze and we are looking away at that and we are looking unto Jesus. This takes discipline, okay? And and like, I know sometimes we even look at this like, because we look at like the, the, the like, you know, we preach this like the sin, the world. And yes, don't, you know, don't focus on that. Or, 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 or maybe a person that you have a relationship with that you know this thing is so unhealthy and you gotta look away from that. You gotta set some boundaries there and you need to look under Jesus. But I'm saying, even in our Christian life, there's things that can come along that start to capture our gaze more than Jesus. And this literally means properly, let me say it this way. This word looking, as it says, looking under Jesus, it means looking away from all else to fix one's, one's gaze upon Jesus. So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is this is paramount to the Christian life, is that Jesus is our absolute focus and that anything and everything else, we must treat it as it should be, at best, secondary. Can I get an amen, somebody? The brand of our church, at best, secondary. The way that we do church, at best, secondary the our methodology and our and our um, philosophy of ministry and how church should be done um, at best secondary Christ number one all right and uh, and, and and that is it okay like that is so, say when we say I say I'm working on it right I'm working on it. And this is something we want to develop. This is something we want to have this kind of laser focus, if you will, this kind of having the guard over our eyes, like those racehorses, right? Like they just, all they can see is right in front of them. We got to keep our eyes, our gaze fixed on Jesus. All right. And so also in when, we look at Jesus and we see who he is. There's two characteristics I just want to encourage us with, with this. And that is servanthood. All right? Servanthood. Mark chapter 10, verse 43, 44, and 45. Yet it shall not be so among you. Speaking to his disciples, he says, you, you know, we're, we're not going to be like the world. But he, he explains to them, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. These are the words of Jesus. And whoever of you desire to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
I'm telling you, Jesus is our example here. This is what he said, that whatever environment we show up in, whatever context we're in with other human beings in it, take the place of a servant that I'm here to serve, right? I'm here to serve. And this isn't, this isn't anything weird here. This word slave here, it speaks of voluntary subjection to others. Is doulos. Jesus voluntarily served. Can I get an amen, somebody? Nobody took his life. He gave it, right? So we, as believers, Jesus is the example. We're not called to, 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 to come into environments with people and think we're all that and have this pompous pride about us. We need, we, need to, we need to humble ourselves. We need to be like Jesus. And we need, we, we're, we're here to serve. I'm here to serve, right? And, and the, so that word slave, doulos, it means voluntary subjection to others. It speaks of believers even, willingly living under Christ's authority, okay? As his devoted followers. So, so this is willful. This is Christ. This is how he is manifest through our lives when we serve other people. And the word serve here is a word um, diakoneo, Okay, and this literally, it's where we get the word deacon, okay? And it just means to practically serve other people, to serve other people in practical ways. So Christ came to do, all right? And he is our example. So servant note, here's another characteristic of Jesus we wanna focus on, and that's humility. Okay, I'm sure we can go on and on for years and years, for eternity, and just talk about Jesus and who he is. But I just wanna share these two, um, humility, Philippians chapter two, verse five to eight. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Mind in you, our, our insights. Verse six, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse seven, but made himself of no reputation. Okay, emptied himself. Okay, you know, emptied himself. Okay, taking the form of a bond servant. There's that word again. And coming in the likeness of men, verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And so we are called to represent him, to be like him. And that is that of a servant. Um, servanthood, humility. Okay, we can't go wrong with this stuff. We can't go, it's so important. In our Christian world, it's pop, it's so we're so susceptible to spiritual pride because we equate success to things you can see, things that I've done. Look at me, my stature. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look at my success. Look at look at look at what I I've I, you know what, look what I've produced. Look you know you know in our humanity. I mean there you know there's so much opportunity for pride and deception even as Christians, if we don't focus on Jesus and who he is and say, wait a minute, I need to humble myself. Lord, forgive me for that pride. Lord, forgive me for that haughtiness. Forgive me for that, that just, man, it's just not of God. Pride is just not the characteristic of Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody? So pride, um, here's, a, here's a good quote here. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less, right? Come on, somebody. This isn't about being self-deprecating or, or, or abusive to yourself or demeaning to yourself. It's just that we humble ourselves and we approach people with the heart of Jesus, which is truly the heart of humility and servanthood. 
Can I get an amen? So somebody say this with me, say Christ. All right, Christ is our absolute focus and example. He is the one that he may have the preeminence. Here's the next one, character. Say it with me, say I'm working on it. Character, character, can't go wrong. Developing character, folks, can't go wrong. Just, you know, as we focus on Christ, it's, he's, going, he's, going to, he's going to deal with our character. He's concerned about our insides. He's concerned about the interior. He's concerned about motive. He's concerned about our inner thoughts, our emotions. He's concerned about our character, our character. Romans chapter five, verse three. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. God is concerned with character. The reason why we go through trials is so we can develop perseverance. The reason why we go through trials is so as a result of perseverance, as a result of staying in it, as a result of remaining faithful through trial, as a result of staying humble through trial, as a result of continuing to seek God through trial, you then develop this thing called character, okay? The King James Version says experience, okay? And this character, dokeme, uh, dokeme, all right? It means proof of genuineness. It speaks of approval through testing. It's the development of our insights. It's, it's, it's a brand of what is tested and true, okay? Tried and true. Say it with me. Say, I'm working on it, all right? I'm working on it. All right, here, I got a couple of questions for you just to ask yourself here. Why is it so important that Christians stand firm in the will of God through trials? Okay, just a question to ask. Why? Why? And you just see that you see in Romans here, in Romans chapter five, but just a good question. Here's another one real quick. What are some character traits that cause one to stay faithful under trials? Okay, what are some character traits? Okay, and here it is. Um, this is stuff we got to work on. Our relationship with Christ, I'm working on it. Our character, our character, I'm working on it. Character. Uh, I choose to do the right thing when it's not easy. Character. I choose to uh, stay faithful to Jesus when there's a temptation to compromise. Character. I choose to tell the truth when I can just weasel my way around this and get out of it. We all deal with these kind of temptations. Some, maybe more than others, maybe it's just certain patterns and you grew up in a, in, a, in a home where just character was just nowhere to be seen, you know? But character, it's it's internal fortitude. It's it's sticking to your convictions when it when it isn't easy or popular. All right? And so here you're just let, let's if we were to kind of drill down on character. I just had some things here that, that, that are the results of character or that can help build character, okay? And I'm just gonna give you these things here. There's four things. Number one is discipline, all right? The word of God disciplines us, right? God disciplines us and God wants to develop discipline in us, all right? Um, the Bible says um, that we have not been given a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind, sound mind there, in, in some versions it actually says self-discipline, okay? And so discipline, um, it's kind of like, it's that, it's that character in us that, man, I gotta do what I gotta do, right? I gotta do what I gotta do, Char discipline, 
Discipline in your, in, your, in your walk with the Lord. Discipline in even just the practical things. Discipline in the practical things of life. Like paying the bills and following through and, um, you know, having the discipline to, to get some order about your life. I'm telling you, character matters. Next one, a willingness to be corrected and even to invite feedback. And so we, to develop character, we must be able to receive constructive criticism and to be corrected in some way, okay? Be corrected in some way, directly from the Lord, through the word, through others. But um, never feels good. It's not nothing anybody's trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it, because sometimes correction hurts, even, even if it's done in, in grace and love, it doesn't always feel good. But this is development of character that, that I'm, that I'm going to develop some disciplines. Um, have some, you know, have a willingness to be corrected. There's another one. This, this is some qualities that build character. A commitment to spiritual growth. Okay? Talking to believers now. I'm just telling you, guys, some of this is just so kind of common sense today. But I want to really share this with you because these are the things that keep you in the will of God. With the things that are up to us, the, the decisions that we can make, the things under our control, I can choose and even express to the Lord a willingness and a commitment to develop and mature spiritually. Why is this so important? Because sometimes even Christians, their, their pursuits get off cue. Instead of committed to spiritual growth, they're just trying to get to the next environment, religious environment, just so they can feel better. And there's nothing, I'm not even saying that's all bad. I'm just saying that a commitment to spiritual growth isn't always just trying to find a place where I can feel better. It's that sometimes God walks us through some tough things and God's calling us to be faithful right? And that's part of our growth. So having a commitment to, to, for spiritual growth, it's a healthy perspective because seasons and situations can be pretty intense and very difficult at times. But if our perspective is, wait, I'm committed to my spiritual growth. I'm going to get through this with God. And I'm not trying to get out of what is difficult all the time. Lord, I thank you that this is just you really dealing with my issues. And so I'm committed to this, Lord. I'm committed. Lord, keep your hand on my life. I'm going to go through this with you. Sometimes we're kicking and screaming, but we're going to go through it with you, Lord. Okay? Here's the, here's the last one, number four. The fourth thing here about things that develop character. Here it is, build character. Um, this is really good too, guys. But vulnerability with somebody in your inner circle. Okay? Um, and so this isn't everybody. This isn't like just kind of put your dirty laundry out there for everyone. But I'm just telling you uh, that this is a character builder, that you can be honest about where you are and what's going on to somebody. It's somebody that's going to pray for you, somebody that loves you, somebody that's going to give you grace, somebody that's going to walk with you, somebody that's going to challenge you, somebody that's going to speak the truth to you in love. But I am telling you, this is so good for you. And look, man, this happens to pastors, man, that they just, these things right here, 
I know of pastors that their whole world has fallen apart because they have failed to discipline themselves. They failed to have a willingness to be corrected. They have refused at some point and they have no commitment for their own spiritual growth. And there is nobody that they have truly been vulnerable with, okay? And I'm talking about the good people. You know, it's kind of like this. The good people mean the people that actually can help you, people that got some, some spiritual goods, right? Um, but it's kind of like this. Like, it's like that people actually know you for real, for real, right? That, that somebody actually knows you for real, for real, all right? Say it with me. Say Christ, character. Now here's the next one, competency, all right? It's about your, your journey with God. Competency is requisite. And uh, let me read this verse, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Skilled in the, in the Hebrew, mahar, it means quick, prompt, ready, skilled. Okay? So this just doesn't mean ability. It speaks of not just skill or technical skill. It speaks of willful, like, posture. It speaks of how you position yourself. It speaks of how you carry yourself, okay? So it represents how you carry yourself. A skillful person is ready to serve. This is what, this is, what, this is a, the Hebrew definition of skillful. A skillful person is somebody who's ready, somebody that's prompt in their responses, somebody that's quick to engage in what's under their care, okay? All right? Skilled, competency. When you discover your spiritual gifts, you're tapping into core competency. Okay, it is so important. This is so important to purpose. So important to the reason of your existence is how has God graced me? What has God put inside of me? What is it, God? What am I uniquely graced to do? Okay, and this may not necessarily just mean spiritual gifts per se. It could just mean just aptitudes and abilities and talents, okay? So, but... But, you know, we're most fulfilled, or I would venture to say we are fulfilled when we're engaged in our grace, okay? This is so important. And so how do we get there? We, you need to pray. You need to seek God. Lord, why am I here? God, what am I called to do? God, what am I good at? And you might already know that. You might already know, man, this is something unique. This is how God's graced me. When I step into this, I'm fulfilled. When I step into this, people are blessed. When I step into this, I serve better when I step into this. I'm passionate. I'm telling you, it's so important, this thing. But let's look at this verse now. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Somebody say grace. And his grace toward me was not vain, but I labored. Say it with me. Say, I labored. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. I want to give you this thought. Competency is about grace and effort. So it, it's both and, okay? So when I speak of competency, I'm not speaking in a negative term like, like you're incompetent. What I'm saying, when I speak of competency, I'm speaking of 
discovering before God and in the will of God what you're called to do, what you are uniquely great at. I'm telling you, everybody within the sound of my voice, you are uniquely great at some things or something or some things. And so this is part of our calling. This is part of what we're called to do. Um, competency is about grace and effort. Okay, so on your journey, say it when we say, I'm working on it. Working on maybe discovering, working on uh, developing what it is that God has created you. I'm telling you, so important. Christ, number one. Character, number two. Number three is competency. And I don't just mean become competent. I, I'm speaking of discovering your unique purpose on the earth and tapping into that and, 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 and going to work. Can I get an amen? Paul said, I labored more than you all. So, so he's like, man, the grace of God given to me toward you, his grace toward me was not vain. It's not vain because God gave me a grace, but I'm working this thing, okay? God gave you a grace, work that thing. Can I get an amen? Okay, so we serve people with excellence, I'm telling you, when we're operating in the gifts, the grace God has placed in us and on us. Hallelujah. Competency is both grace and effort. Romans chapter 12, verse six to verse eight. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Somebody say grace and effort, right? Grace and effort, all right? Grace first, but effort must come. Somebody say amen, it's grace first, but effort must come. Grace first, but we must apply ourselves. On the journey of life, Christ is number one. Character is number two. Competency is number three. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm gonna keep reading this verse. Having then great gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to them, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What is he saying? If grace has been given, operate in it. Don't sit on it, don't bury it, don't, don't come up with that false humility, don't allow your insecurities to swallow you up and to drown you out and keep you from mobilizing in what you're called to do. I am telling you on life's journey, you've been given grace. Do not say, I'm not gifted. Never say, I'm not gifted. I'm not good at this. I can't do this. No, don't do that because you are denying the grace of God. He's given it. So as Romans 12, 6 says, let us use them. Let us use them. If he's given to you, use it. All right, use it. Christ, character, competency. Here's the last one. Last one, culture. Say it with me, say culture. Okay, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna explain this a little bit. We can go all kinds of different ways. Um, once a year, my, my wife and I and our, our leadership team, we, we really uh, intentionally kind of share about what's going on in culture in some way every year. We try to find a way to kind of bring out what's kind of going on out there into the house of God, look at it through the word of God, you know, and just really talk about just relevant stuff going on out there, okay? We've been doing that for years, but here it's just a little snippet of that. But when I say culture, 
I mean, become a student of culture. Okay, let me read from my notes. Okay, by culture, I mean that we need to be aware of the environments we're in and a part of so we can minister Christ there, right? And so when I say culture, sometimes I think people think ethnicity or or, 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 or national origin. And yes, that comes into play with culture. But wherever people are, there's culture, okay? So whether we want to admit it or not, every environment has some sort of culture, cultural context, behaviors and customs, beliefs that are the result of the people, okay? And so, and, and that context we find ourselves in can be very foreign to us at times. Can I get an amen? Um, culture shifting and changing, and there's culture everywhere. And so on your journey with God, become a student of culture, especially the culture that you're in, whatever that might be. It might be in your work. It might be in your school. It might be in your city. It might be in your family. It might be in the, marry you mar- the, the family you married into, the family you're about to marry into. It might be your church culture, organizational culture you're in, whatever it might be. I am telling you, be aware. There's a culture going on. What is it? What is it? Know it. Learn it. Many times God calls us into environments where that, where, that are foreign to our personal cultural context. Okay? I'm going somewhere with this. When God places us in foreign environments, which he does, because the Bible says the patriarchs dwelt in a foreign land. He sent them out of what was comfortable into what was foreign. They put them in a different culture time and time again. Okay? God is in the business of placing his people in, on foreign soil. In some way, it's just the way God operates. Okay? It is the way that God operates. So, so when, when God places us in foreign environments, it's, it's his way of teaching us to listen and receive, to learn, okay? He can also, when he does this, challenges us in our biases, our preconceived notions, and our prejudices, okay? I know you church folk out there, you don't have any of this stuff don't going on, but some, some of us do, okay? Because we're human beings, all right? And so, it, and it's also his way though, he puts us in these foreign environments. It's also his way of using us to serve, represent Christ, and to contribute something unique to that environment. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right, Christ, character, competency, culture. Say it with me, I'm working on it. Here we go. Think about this. Joseph, a Jew, served in the Egyptian empire and rose to a seat of authority. Totally foreign environment. Come on now, think about this, Daniel. Served in both Babylon and Persia, or under those within those empires. Esther, the Persian Empire. Jews, they have their own customs, and they didn't play with them other customs. You know what I'm saying? And they held to their convictions, but they learned some things. Esther ain't even her real name. They gave her that name, okay? Moses is a Jew. Bible says in the book of Acts that he was learned, I mean, you see this when you read the book, but in Genesis, but he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He served Jethro, a Midianite, for 40 years in the Arabian desert. And he goes back in to deliver his people. Moses was cultured, all right? He was learned, learned in Egyptian architecture, art, philosophy, their whole world, learned. He was very aware of the, ancient Egyptian gods, Isis, Osiris. He was aware of all this. 
He named his first son, this is interesting, Moses named his first son Gershom, which means stranger there. I wonder why. Stranger. He's a stranger in, in the Arabian desert. Paul, the apostle, highly educated Pharisee, a part of the Sanhedrin, a Roman citizen, and an apostle to the Gentiles. Talk about a culture mashup. The apostle Paul, so powerful. All right. Acts chapter 17, verse 16 to 17. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Culture. This particular culture piece was idolatry. And it disturbed him. And so that word provoke means like, it's like a sharp edge. You know, it's just emotionally bothered. You know, you know the phrase like getting to someone. That, that's how it was. He's agitated. Okay. Verse 17. So what was his answer to this agitation? Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Paul's agitation of the idolatry in the Roman culture did not cause him to jump ship, go hiding. He, therefore, he engaged. He engaged. And you know, this is where he goes on Mars Hill and he's like, hey, what's up, guys? In a sense, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he engaged with them, preached Christ. The Bible says some believed. Okay? It's so important that we as believers, that, that these four things are that we're aware that these things are the things we want to work on and develop. Like, allow these four to kind of sink in this year and be aware. I'm telling you that um, when we, the culture piece is like, really, it's about wisdom. God, how do I speak to this person? God, how do I minister to this person? It's different, it's different, different world, different context. But Lord, give me wisdom. How do I? You know, how do I engage? How do I, how do I be like a Daniel, an Esther, a Joseph? How do I, how do I be like a Paul in Greco-Roman culture? And his, could you imagine even just his religious background was probably like, oh, you know, like I, I ain't supposed to talk to these people. Could you imagine? And then God's like, no, you're gonna be called to minister to them. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray God in Jesus' name that these things, these 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 truths we see in your word. God, I pray that we would all work on these things. We would develop these things and we would do well, God, to minister them to people. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and my prayer is that you go out there and you change your world through the power of Jesus Christ. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and follow us on social media and check out our website at hopelandla.com. Peace.